1: Walking Each Other Home is an exploration of the many ways we cultivate wisdom, compassion, and love in our lives. Mirabai Bush talks with some of her many diverse friends about what they're learning now from their spiritual paths and practices. If you would like to support this podcast, please visit BeHereNowNetwork.com forward slash Mirabai.
2: Hello everyone, and welcome to Walking Each Other Home. I'm Mirabai, and today I have a great guest, Angel Acosta. He'll walk us home together. Um, Angel, Angel's interest and in work is about the coming together, the intersection of uh, education, healing, community development, Uh, leadership, social justice, Uh, and he's done an amazing work. He got his PhD at Columbia Teachers College and where he focused on healing education or education in healing. Uh, And um, he's also a member of the 400 Years of Inequality Project, um, for which he developed a program practice that is amazing. Takes people through those four hundred years, and um, and uses contemplative practice to help people um, process and be with um, what they've discovered by uh, by looking at it and reading it. It's um, I had a really extraordinary experience with it, and um, I just have great admiration for you for doing that. Um, He's also currently the director of Garrison Institute's fellowship program, um, with a great group of fellows. And he serves as creative director of the New York City Healing Collective, a community initiative curating work and insights at the intersection of healing, wellness, and societal transformation. And I asked Angel today because Uh, This is just such a hard time. We're so in need of so many kinds of healing, which is his passion. There's, you know, we all know we're all still suffering through COVID, through sickness and loss and death and unemployment for some and, and um, financial um, struggles for many of us. Um, And, the Black Lives Matter movement and I just heard that um uh, Elijah McClain who is this really beautiful 23 year old um who was a healer himself a massage therapist who was killed yeah. by police and paramedics they just brought um uh, a uh, grand jury just brought indictments against all five um police and uh, and they're replaying now that video, which is so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And then we have to look at the, you know, environmental crisis. And um, I mean, just this week, New Orleans with the entire city with no power. Yeah. Um, and dismantling structures that we're all part of, racism and homophobia, and and then. The, This crazy polarization we're in and the challenges it makes to democracy, it's really um, serious. So Mm -hmm. we are all under stress, if not trauma, and um, we need to look at ourselves and um, our work for communities in a different way. So thank you, Angel, for coming. And um, I was gonna start by asking you a, a beginning question: How did you, how did you first discover contemplative practices? And were do you think, looking back now over your life after all these years? <laughs> uh do you think can you recognize seeds in your childhood that led to how you see things now
0: mm-hmm,
3: yeah 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 um I want to acknowledge uh you whereby and how much I I care for you and how, how much I appreciate this opportunity uh, to be in dialogue with you beyond the other opportunities we get to talk I, I'm excited for this conversation in particular because we'll be able to uh, always go deep, but go a little deeper into our our shared interest in, in terms of healing-centered education and and my work. Um, I want I do want to uh, say that it was an EDD uh, program at Teachers College, Columbia University, and uh, I, I I tend to look at it as healing-centered work. Um, and this is a mm. good way. To, this is a good way to talk uh, and to even open up the conversation. Um, of uh, 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 you know healing is one dimension of of this process of, of approaching education um, not healing in and of itself and later we'll talk a little bit about wounding and what is the role of, of wounding in the process so, so the center is really important to add for me uh, next to to healing um, and'll we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that um, So in this healing-centered work, uh, contemplative practices are a dimension, and you could—I mean, you could—you could say that healing-centered education is an extension of contemplative practice. Um, You could also say that healing-centered education is an offshoot of contemplative practice as well, because they both mutually influence each other. They're part of ancient, ancient practices that we've had for. For a long time you know as a human community and you as a practitioner and and teacher know so so much about that um and you've also been part of my own contemplative journey in some major ways Mm -hmm. it's a major level so i'm excited to to tap into some of that as i think through that question i mean i think for me contemplative practice is some of the first ones that i had were in college when I was just exploring, uh, I studied anthropology in college. So I ended up in, in classes and in experiences that exposed me to a variety of, of, of cultural traditions and practices. Um, many of them spiritual in nature, others just communal. Um, so I remember getting, learning a little bit about yoga, uh, learning a little bit about um, like randomly Capoeira as a, as a martial art practice in the Brazilian context. And um, and I, there was something about embodied practice, um, but also kind of contemplative practice that 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 made me curious about uh, just the the things that human communities deploy to be grounded. So I think some of my first contemplative practices were uh, me just trying to do a little yoga. Um, and then, and then, and then, kind of not doing it for a while because I just didn't feel flexible enough. Uh, and, you know that. that our, and then, and then, also doing a capoeira and, and, and trying a couple classes there. But initially, mm-hmm. the initial contemplative practices were embodied in nature. And um, and then I tried to learn how to meditate. I mean, I remember I couldn't do it for more than like thirty seconds. You know, mm-hmm. I was like about 20 in college and learning the buzzword of meditation, meditation. And I finally kind of tried it. And it was so frustrating. I couldn't, what is this? And then I made a connection between, cause I was at this time studying anthro, but also investing in understanding issues of, you know, diversity, equity and inclusion in college, my graduate program. And I kind of saw a connection there between mindfulness, contemplative practice and justice work and, uh, and then I and then I decided to develop to actually commit to a practice and uh, and learning more about the variety of practices that are out there, from mindfulness to breath work, and all the other different kind of aspects of the healing arts. So that's how I would respond to that question. I'm sure there's more if I dug deep into my memory. That, yeah, but those are some of the initial initial uh, exposures to contemplative practice. And then your other question about. Mm-hmm. In my childhood, yeah, you know, I think I come from a really awesome, from a big family. Um, you know, with Dominican Republic and and Puerto Rico, um, and just in my in my father's side, you know, the ways that they tended to land. A lot of them were tobacco farmers and sharecroppers in Dominican Republic. The relationship to land was a mm-hmm. was, was was a. Was a and you could say, you could tell by how grounded they were in the present moment. Um, and it's also, you know, deeply influenced by like the Catholic tradition and and can prayer. I remember every time, every six, six o'clock in Dominican Republic in the summers, my grandfather and and my aunts would be in the living room for an hour reciting a particular chant for an hour, and I, you know, I, I was twelve mm-hmm. sometimes. Younger, just like, what is this? Um, so, on, so on some levels, some of the ways that uh, my culture and my, my, my family has just been in relationship to land and spirit, uh, maybe have influenced how I'm, I'm, I'm able to just uh, gravitate toward, toward some of these practices and some of this research, you know? Mm-hmm. But I, I know. I've never really thought about that question before, mm-hmm. and I appreciate yeah. it.
4: <laughs> um
2: thank you that was great um so be, before we plunge into uh different aspects of healing um uh, how, how do you how do you how do you understand healing or I was going to say define but I don't, I don't want to sound too mm-hmm. academic here but that is but it is um, the central question, what is healing? Um, so any, any way you want to talk about that?
0: Barabai. um Sorry. <laughs> this is like... I, should I, should I, <laughs> I remember being at
2: my PhD orals. Oh, it was terrible. These <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> yeah, questions like, would come out of nowhere.
3: You know? <laughs> I'm here like, should I write a dissertation? uh no, wait after what? Page <laughs> well,
2: start. I'll I'll say this. May, many people talk about um, healing as uh, wholeness, you know.
3: Or well, I appreciate the question. I think it's a I think it's an incredible <laughs> question, and even there, that contribution wholeness, you know. And I'll just say this before I respond to that question. That profound question, that because of the rigorous nature of um, my, at least my graduate program at college um, as a, as a social scientist that I'm skeptical of, of even how I would define healing in any moment because Mm -hmm. of how relative it is. Um, I'll tell you this though, that definitely wholeness is part of it. That, that, And let me, before I even define healing, let me ask, let me me ask us to consider, like, why would I, why would we gravitate towards healing in this current moment, but also myself in my work? Primarily because of so much uh, individual, collective and interpersonal and structural trauma that exists in our society, period. Right? So period, there's structural harm, there's interpersonal harm, there's personal, there's individual harm, there's, uh, and... The temper of the times um, are creating, uh, obviously, because of just a reality that all you just mentioned in your opening—you know, the pandemic, you know, unemployment, global um, uh, tensions. At the same time, um, in in not to sound too academic, but in the field and in various fields, like in the trauma studies field, in the mindfulness field, and in uh in, in contemplative in the contemplative space and they're all adjacent spaces um, there's just obviously they're responding to what's happening and so 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 that question that you just ask what, what a lot of us are trying to answer, and um, I haven't found a profound enough uh, definition that can really uh, capture its essence, but I tell you one thing that the process of trying to define it is healing in and of itself or at least Mm. uh supportive (laughs) supportive of uh trying to define it in the first that's why i enjoy being skeptical of trying to define it in the first because i enjoy just wrestling with uh trying to define it last thing i'll say is that my colleague uh sister kia darling hammond um she did a little bit of research on understanding what are the conditions that just help people thrive like what 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 needs to be put in place for Mirabai to flourish. And she studied in particular, she studied black uh, queer youth and she spent even a long study uh, thinking about thriving in, in, in the community of, of, of youth that she was in. And she found that just asking youth um, that question around, what do you need uh, to thrive? <sighs> like just asking and, and engaging in that in the career was profound. Yeah, was was so yeah. helpful so helpful so um, i think it's it maybe the same for healing um uh, i would say as mm-hmm. a form of as a kind of restoration as a kind of uh um groundedness uh uh, uh you know wholeness but an arrival at um mm-hmm. an awareness of um presence you know just like what I've been so busy looking at um, um, that's why I'm struggling to even define it because I've been so focused on different dimensions of healing but even even the healing itself it, I, it, I, I struggle to, to nail it but I can tell you that I, I definitely feel comfortable um, creating conditions where people feel like they belong and mm. people feel like They are seen and are part of a community and are part of a larger uh, community that is making sense of the present moment, whether it be issues of or topics of justice or just in the classroom, Um, explore any subject matter. You know, all that stuff is restorative and holistic. Um, And I would dare to say that in some cases, healing, um, you know. So it's just such a rich, rich question, you know?
2: Wow, thank you so much. One thing I found when I was thinking about healing, um, that the word whole is from Mm. the root, Same, uh, I mean that the word heal is from the original root that meant whole. And Mm. what else comes from that is holy. I never even thought of those two things (laughs) as connected. I mean, I know they're connected, but um, I thought that was really great. Um, um, Well, I think I'm going to ask you. (laughs) um, Yeah, let's talk a a little about the 400 years practice. I just want to say that I know that part of... Um, part of the work of moving into an area that has not really been well explored yet um, in and in terms of contemplative practices is that traditional practices just as they exist and have been handed down to us um, often need to be adapted so that they're relevant and rich in the current context and mm. we saw that at contemplative mind a lot, um, but so I think that what you did, having the intention to help people um, mm. heal from mm. all that every single person has suffered around what happened mm. in those four hundred years, is brilliant and maybe you could um, describe it and, yeah. uh, and and talk about some of your experiences um, what the experience of some of the um, participants has been?
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. Such a good question. You know, the four hundred years of inequality project originated at the New School um, under the leadership of Dr. Mindy uh, Thompson Fully Love and um, so many other uh, colleagues, uh, uh, Robert Foley Love. Um, and uh, so many others uh, that I can name. And it was in direct uh, response to the coming 400-year anniversary uh, in 2019 of the arrival of enslaved Africans to Jamestown um, in (laughs) 1916-19. And Mindy in particular, and in 2016, was in an interview with, uh, a reporter uh, a reporter, asked her about if uh, the African-American community felt um, a particular way in response to the Flint water crisis. Were they surprised? Uh, were, they, they said, what, were they disappointed? That was the question. And Mindy, Mindy I remember she was telling me this story. Mindy was like, well, you know, structural issues like that in the context of the, the Black community have been happening since 1619. She just kind of said it in passing. Huh. Oh, wow. <laughs> and in, in that moment, she was oh, like, Whoa. Great. in the moment, she was like, wait, 1619, 2016, 2019. Mm. Know, it hit her. And she's a social psychiatrist. Um, so she, and, and an urban planner and so, so much more. Uh, and she knows the power of anniversaries uh, and the power of commemoration. Mm but she decided to, to bring people together uh, to this thing called the 400 Years of Inequality um, Project. I'll just say that as she's having that realization, others are having the same realization, right? Mm-hmm. So you had uh, Hannah Nicole Jones, sister uh, from uh, yeah. Nicole Jones from the uh, New York Times 1619 Project. And that being, so the you know, many different groups Throughout the U.S. and the U.S. in particular, started to think about what would it mean to engage in like the intentional curation of material experiences, cam- communication campaigns, to enable the country to reckon with this 400-year period, this uh, legacy of four centuries. And I, uh, I was in the doctor program at the time, and. Joined the committee. I was invited by Robert Fuller to join, and I'm in. I'm in the meetings, uh, looking at uh, the plans, and we, I spent about a year uh, just with them. and And they produced this timeline. You know, they produced uh, this incredible uh, four by twenty foot timeline with dates and images and text that um, just it was a concentrated exploration. Uh, through particular events in U.S. history that reinforced inequality, reinforced um, um, just oppression, but also displayed resilience in communities, right? And 1619 being one date, one significant date in that time. Um, So you get a chance to see, uh, you know, the genesis of chattel slavery, the, you know, the pillaging of indigenous land, the silencing of women's voices, the um, you know marginalizing of white poor laborers, you know, and then, and then you get into the like next two hundred years, you get world wars and, and 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 all kinds of things unfolding. You know, GI Bill. You just know, you see it all in different ways. You just see kind of this peppered uh, uh, these events peppered on this document, and I was like, oh my god, this is incredible, and At the time, you know, you and I were in a lot of dialogue because I was, I think I'm part of the board of C-Mind and uh, which I just deeply appreciated that experience. And I was really thinking about, okay, the power of contemplative practice. And I said, this is a lot. It's a lot to take this thing in. It's powerful, but it's a lot. And I remember saying, you know, we should probably develop a contemplative practice to support with the exploration of the actual uh, timeline. I, I remember Mindy saying, why don't you do it then? And I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, and I I decided, I decided to just develop a simple practice that would slow folks down before uh, entering into a silent, you know, you would say walking meditation through the timeline. And uh, we started doing it in small groups. Um, it resonated with people to just slow down before right? Like slowing down before taking such information in. Mm -hmm. And then, um, those initial practices, uh, with in small, um, groups just showed us that people were craving a deeper relationship with that history. And, um, people were experiencing, um, their own relationship to that history and how it It brought up stuff in their own biography, their own stuff. Absolutely. Some of it that wasn't even related to what was on the map. Mm -hmm. Um, So we coupled uh, the practice, uh, a simple grounding meditation practice in the beginning with some journaling and then with some kind of um, peer-to-peer communication uh, Mm -hmm. opportunities. And And then it just became like a restorative circle. Like it's just it became a little bit more of a cohesive experience that was grounded by a practice included communal um and collective holding of what was coming up for everybody but also people individually and then we did it we did it for like uh 2 years i mean i have probably walked maybe maybe in the thousands you know like over 5000 people through the timeline half uh, wow. a third of those are really? those. A third wow. of those or half of those uh, are in person and the rest probably mm. in virtually. And, and that was just me. And the committee itself um, hosted these uh, place-based observances nationally. Oh. Uh, and created like media kits and uh, toolkits for communities to be able to do observance of the timeline.
4: Oh, wow. And,
3: um, and it wasn't like, you know, a meditation is mandated, but in the toolkit, there was some prompting around, like, you know, you could, these are some options for how to engage in an observance of this timeline. And so the committee itself did stuff with 20 plus, 30, 50,000. I mean, I, I forgot the numbers, but so it was, it became a thing, you know, and um, a powerful force for deep conversations around that legacy. And I'm so proud of the work the committee did. It's it, it transformed how I engage in, in teaching period because I learned, that every, so much will come up for people and learning how to hold all of it and, uh, and stumbling at times while holding it. Um, so yeah, was well, some of the most profound educational experiences that I've witnessed and I've been able to be part of. It's
2: amazing. I am so happy to hear that that many people went through it everyone should you know everyone should um i just when we did it together was um at omega yeah and um and i remember that um i walked through it and i mean i was really curious to see it all but i thought kind of well i'm not going to have any like big awakenings i've been studying this i know about it right and um I, I got stuck really early on. I couldn't leave this one place because what it showed was the, um, I had always thought of the oppression and genocide of, of native American people, uh, as separate from, mm. from enslavement from mm. not from enslavement, but from mm. slave black slavery. Yeah. And, um, And early on, I came upon something that um, showed me that it was the same time, exactly, and Mm -hmm. the same people were Mm -hmm. doing it and the same laws were supporting it. And and it was all happening at once. And it was kind of like, of course, in a way Mm -hmm. and another way, it was like, oh, my God, who were these people, you know, that could do that? Um, Mm -hmm. And um, I remembered that um, Daniel Boone, who was a, you know, he's like an American hero, right? It turns out he's an Indian hunter mm. and killer. Mm. And um, he lived with my great grandfather for a while in mm. the Carolinas. And I had known that. And then I looked at this thing and it was like he was a major player, you know. Um, mm. It stunned me, and then we kept walking. And then there were, there were so many other things. And when I went back and sat down, and you, you had had us all sit in silence at the beginning, and then at the end, for I I remember it as like twenty minutes, maybe it wasn't, yeah. but it seemed yeah. long and deep. I mean, long for that kind of thing. And uh, and then there were people in the room, there were about 30 people, maybe. And um, there were people in the room who had been a kind of, I don't know, there wasn't like a big breakdown during the weekend workshop, but you could tell there were people who were angry and defended about certain aspects around racism would come up during the time. And there's one woman who she spoke really softly, And there was an openness in the way she talked Mm -hmm. about it when she, you know, talked after Mm -hmm. the whole thing. And I realized kind of just from that little example and the rest of the room, you could feel it also, but such hard things to talk about. Mm -hmm. People were really, you know, Mm -hmm. felt like they're really able to take it in and then to speak quite personally um, about Mm -hmm. it, it.
4: it
3: was, it's a powerful, um, practice. Yeah. Yeah. That, that practice, um, uh, yeah, taught, taught, taught me a lot. Um, and it just pointed to just the power of, of, of practice period. Like just one little simple thing could have a very deep, uh, um, shift inducing effect on a learning process um, and as you know from you know CMI and many other um, organizations you've been part of and have supported you know, many of them that are to, to assessing and evaluating and researching this stuff um, that's just a, that's just something that we now can integrate in, in our that's why I think Partly mindfulness has been so has been, so, been so popular, and so um, has penetrated so many different industries, from business to education, the medical field. You know, uh, there is something about slowing down and, uh, and taking and taking one's time and connecting to breath, connecting to space. Um, that's just a, a, you know some aspects of of, of practice. Of aware, different awareness based practices. And back to the initial question that started this, this conversation around healing, you know, is that there's something about uh, contemplative practice, mindfulness practice, awareness based practice that enables us to obviously become more present in, in, in the moment and. You know experience stress reduction in the moment and a sense of calm um but i think it also you and i were discussing this at a different point it enables us to feel our own sense of wholeness you know in the moment and that's pretty significant i think
2: absolutely (laughs) it is (laughs) the whole thing yeah presence I think um yeah I, I heard you talking about presence um uh in one talk you gave and it's I mean it's so core to education that you know when people are mm-hmm. present in the moment we can hear each other
3: Mm-hmm. yeah 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 you know and you said so much in the beginning. Um, one of the things you said was just how polarizing this moment can be. Um, I, I, you know, we are experiencing it in a very particular type of way in the U S um, and, you know, there are different regions that are experiencing similar types of uh, kind of fragmentation and polarization. And um, it, or sometimes depending on the issue you're exploring or the, an event that is unfolding, it almost feels like we can't even hear each other uh, you know there's there's so much you know and so there's so much there around thinking about presence what's required what how can we enable it you know and then also you know there there's there's a lot of uh powerful uh integration happening in different communities. Like I think as we as, as as we as we hold you know all the challenges that are unfolding before us, uh I've also noticed that uh people are responding and communities are engaged and you know I've seen beautiful work, beautiful art, beautiful music unfold in this moment. Um you know so it's it's holding that paradox. Uh, and I think that I think I think practice facilitates that as also, it's giving sure. us the 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 ability to just, just become aware of all at least not all of it because that's hard, right? All of, all of it, but to enough of it where uh, you could have some perspective beyond um, whatever aspect of it may be inducing or creating a lot of suffering.
4: Yeah. And so
2: when you take these insights and uh try to um build what you call healing-centered education. Did I get it right? Yeah. Um what mm-hmm. what is that, what has that looked like or or what are you
4: looking toward? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. You know, um, that, and I get excited about that question because so giving center education is not, it's, it's, it's not new, you know, it's, it's more a framing of what already exists in a slightly, um, in a different way. So for example, um, mindfulness, uh, restorative justice, uh, social, emotional learning, yoga, the healing arts, uh, they, they all um, in this present moment, um, if you look closely at how communities are using them in education and also beyond, there's just a zeitgeist in the ether that these that these that these modalities, these pedagogies, are now being used more uh, in, in in more fields, right? So education and business and uh, the medical field. So healing-centered education um, is is kind of uh, almost like a meta theory, a meta a meta way to kind of just see how all this stuff is coming together. Um, and can be used to create experiences that uh, either in the classroom, or if you're a consultant in institutions, that could support communities with deeper learning, um, stronger communal ties, uh, self inquiry. You know, so so for example, um, there's there's just like yesterday I was I was teaching a healing centered uh, practicum course. And I just invited a poet to come and, and share her poetry and and maybe do a couple writing prompts and exercises with the community. And well, I mean she <laughs> excited like four or five poems around her her, her origin story and her relationship to 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 men and to community members that were uh, difficult and how she transcended them. And then she invited people through particular writing prompts to write their own poems. And then she invited people to to help people to share them. And then she had folks just be in small groups and share what they had written. And And then we held space for all of it after, for all of what that experience did for them. And, oh, it was heart opening. You know, people shared so much mm. uh, about their own biographical experiences, but also how they're responding to the current moment with grief and anxiety and concern. Many teachers who are now going to teach in the fall uh, and, ha- and have to think about, you know, mm. Delta and, 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 you know, all kinds of challenges So in that moment, in that case, um, a healing sense of practice could be a writing practice that brings you back to you, that brings you back to um, a sense of um, connection to just your past. That's just kind of an example that's most immediate for me. Um, But again, like I said before, these are practices that have already existed. You know, so it's just now being intentional Mm -hmm. about creating a restorative experience and process for the individual for the community or for those folks like Thomas Hubel and others who are thinking about collective healing. What does it mean to Mm -hmm. that's a big you know big big question? What is collective healing? Uh uh, in fact there's a summit coming up I think and the theme is what is collective healing in action you know so very big bold questions that are important. Yeah would you um,
2: let's see Tell, tell us a little about how you create a safe, opening, welcoming space for people to. I mean, as you said, many of those practices, like writing practices, have existed for a long time, but a lot has to do with the invitation into um, addressing it in uh, deeper ways, in more open ways. Ways that can heal. Um, how do you create the kind of space that, uh, that welcomes that? Mm,
3: yeah, yeah. It reminds me of um, one of the voices in this movement uh, and in this kind of uh, kind of approach. I mentioned our work earlier, and Kia Kia, that Kia down and then, yeah, she thinking about to create a space like that is to be intentional about not only creating a space that is safe, but a space where people can feel a sense of belonging, a sense of thriving and, and she in particular talks about five dimensions of thriving um, one of them is that there has to be a sense of community like, like there has to be some kind of shared sense of uh, of identity um at least and the, at the very least that there's a common purpose that is shared and that you you feel a sense like you're respected there and um it can be there whether it's a learning community or a family or a or, or a you know community in, in, in a particular neighborhood but um so there's a sense of community that that has to be built and and you know so it's it's a series of, of 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 moves that you can make as a teacher and as a facilitator or as a guide. One, what kind of uh, practices and rituals or experiences are you facilitating so that members can people can get to know each other on the one hand, but also get a, get a sense for developing co-creating a shared sense of community, community culture. Um, then there's uh, you know feeling a sense of, uh, of abundance, of abundance, like Mm. not financial though, Mm -hmm. like, like, you know, but rather like, like you feel like you yourself feel like you're enough and that you have enough in that space. Mm. Yeah. Um, So so it's, it's, it's slightly different. It's like kind of abundance, (laughs) pleasure, you know, that the that, 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 that it's joyful, you know, that you can enjoy, you know, this the whatever process you're facilitating, especially, and I think that connecting it to the four years of inequality, uh, the, the contemplative practice that we designed, was that even after facilitating that very difficult journey hundreds of times, there was always at the end a deep sense of appreciation and almost pleasure that was experienced um with. Uh, having had the opportunity to not just experience the timeline, but be in community together. hmm mm-hmm. um, So, you know, creating a healing space, you know, there's no exact formula, but I think we're at the moment now where there is enough in the field you know, from all the diversity, equity, and inclusion phenomenon and, and practice that are coming out of just the workforce and in different uh, industries, and again, the mindfulness uh, field and uh, restorative justice, it's just a great time to, for that question to become alive for all of us. You know, all of us at, at the family level, at, at the level of work, the level of society. So, so yeah. Just some quick responses there, but, you know, we can we can we can talk for hours about that one. We could. (laughs) Um, Yeah, because it's
2: I want so we
3: don't really have
2: um, time to talk about.
3: Well, let's since people are going to edit this, um, Mm -hmm. let's 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 keep talking until we feel like we're complete.
2: Oh, okay. If you have time.
3: Good. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'll I'll right just here. I'll just push what I gotta do next. I'll just but well, I think we I think we can do 15, 20 more minutes. I mean, let's see. Let's see if we let's see where we get uh with the next questions, but we can just land and close organically.
2: And we do want to remember that you were gonna later practice.
3: Yeah. I invite you to kind of uh whatever's still kind of percolating for you.
4: Yeah,
3: you know, I really want us to. Uh, close out and and ground the discussion in an organic way. You know, I think we've we've gone deep and it just shows how much deeper you can go. There's so much uh, that, you know, that's why I appreciate this work so much. I think you made it uh,
2: indirectly, but powerfully, uh, the connection, which is often hard for people to understand, uh, the connection between our individual work of healing and deepening and waking up to uh, the work with community or the connections with community as as you know people have often thought that you know doing this work whether it's you know everything from deep meditation to psychotherapy or whatever they tend to think it's also American influence, that it's just about me. And um, that I think in everything you said, you were really clear that it's that the connection between the individual and um, the community is that we need each other. That's why, that's why I call this uh pod guys walking each other home. We need each other to wake up and and the community is made up of lots of individuals who are more than individual. Anyhow it's a little stumbling but um it's so important and it's often not um honored and or mm. talked about
3: really. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, the the as we think about collective healing, we have to think about individual healing as well. And uh that we can we can all do a little work. Um we can all do a little work. Yes, we could.
2: <laughs> um, related to that, I want. I, we talked before a little about um intergenerational uh trauma and healing. Yeah. And, um, do, do you have something you'd like to say about that?
3: Yeah. You know, people are just really becoming aware of it. Yeah, you know, the like, you know, formally the the field of uh what do you call it trauma studies or uh just You know, the field of psychology in terms of understanding the impact of trauma, uh, you know, from understanding PTSD and post-traumatic stress, ACEs, adverse childhood experience. We know a lot about uh, trauma and uh, in that very same field, just in the biological um, um, part uh, or focus, uh, epigenetic epigenetic uh, trauma, how you know, communities can, or, or, or people can carry uh, trauma uh, uh, that is transferred through that's intergenerational. Um, and, and based on some of that work, we know that um, it can literally transfer between four to seven generations down a particular um, you know, community or individual. And uh, at the same time, uh, there's a resilience, there's intergenerational resilience that can be um, transmitted and transmuted and and channeled. Um, And you see it, you see it in so many uh, different uh, communities, like uh, even in the Native Native American community in the United States, uh, it takes an incredible level of resilience to survive you know, your land being stolen, being pushed on to reservations and, um, you know, sent to boarding schools. You yeah. know, let's just, just take a moment there to just acknowledge all the bodies of the children that are uh, re-emerging, emerging in Canada in particular, but, you know, in the U.S. as well, they're... they're There are those sites in that. um, To acknowledge that, it takes a lot, you know? So that's why formally, right, if you think about healing um, and the initial question that you asked around what is healing, when I looked at, when I spent time studying this stuff, I noticed that the initial response to colonization, imperial rule by indigenous people, especially specifically, especially in, in, in the Western Hemisphere, in Canada, the U.S., like the like the response to that, the cultural, the practices for cultural and psychic preservation. There, you see evidence of healing-centered pedagogies and practices. That was one of the most. Like really insightful findings, that even though there are these healing-centered practices, or these practices that awareness that are awareness-based, or however you want to call them, that 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 are transmitted and handed down through ancient traditions, that in particular culturally, that community's response uh, to uh, just the last 400 years of, of just social legal. And political oppression creates some unique conditions and and in the black community as well and in other communities. But uh, but just fascinating to think about that that response generated a level of resilience as well. Um and you see it, and you see it in the way people dance, Mm. you see it in the way people sing, you see it in the arts, you see it in just how people keep on keeping on Mm. uh, regardless of present conditions. So
2: you have thought and know a lot about what what we inherit and what we pass on. You've been thinking about that a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay, now I'm going to ask you a very personal question. Has your thinking changed or I mean... How do, you, how do you think about it now that you are a father of a very new baby?
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: it must come up into your mind.
3: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, just a shout outs to little Sydney Angel Acosta, uh, my <laughs> son, so nine weeks. Um, he's definitely an old soul. And uh, shout outs to my wife, Christina. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that becoming a father has been more tender and uh, and then open to, to being more and more vulnerable to just what it means to, to show up right now as a father, as a, as a friend, as a person. Um, <clears throat> and I think all that contributes to how you, one of the first words you use in response to what healing is, is wholeness. Mm-hmm. um I'm, I'm part of wholeness being partly it's acceptance uh and accepting so yeah yeah I, I, that's what i would say right now
4: thank
2: you i hope it was okay i asked you that yeah but it was a great answer <laughs> mm-hmm. well i'd love it if you'd lead a little practice for us
4: yeah
2: um yeah, I would love. and you know um we will, this will be posted on, um, on the Be Here Now Network. There'll be a page for it. And on that page, we will list um, anything that people, um, some videos, some of your videos, and then also uh, some things that people can um, connect with you on, you know, yeah. if you have things yeah. that are open um, and any other information you want to put up there. You know, yeah, so, so we'll build know. that in time for people who are hearing it now. Um, we'll be able to reach all of that because there's so much I know that you could have said yeah, and didn't. Yeah. But um, yeah. but there's more to come.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I'd love to uh, hold space for a practice. You, you, right. you, you, would you like to lean into that now? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So just want to begin to practice, uh, at least for myself on my end, giving gratitude for this conversation and being grateful for Sister nearby and beginning to just pay attention to my body and how it feels in this present moment. I want to invite everybody listening to just settle into your body, in the most comfortable way possible for you in this present moment. It can be just sitting down, if you're seated, just comfortably. See if you can experience a sense of ease. Even if just in how your body just
0: rests in this moment. Allowing yourself just to breathe in your own way, at your own pace. If it is supportive, I invite you to gently close your eyes. You can keep them open if you'd like. Just sensing into this moment. Presenting and becoming more and more aware of your breathing. See if you can sense into your next exhale. See if you can
4: sense into
0: and become aware of your next inhale. Any thoughts that are emerging or coming up, acknowledging them, and just gently bringing your attention right back to your breath. Taking in a deep,
4: gentle inhale and a gentle exhale.
3: Sensing and feeling into your belly, rising as you take that precious oxygen in.
0: Feeling that belly just descend and deflate and Or it helps just to empty your lungs. Just taking a few more deep breaths here at your own pace, at your own time. As we bring this practice to a close, see if you can think of someone, anyone, someone close, someone you might not know too well,
3: and just extend the accumulated attention and intention that we generated from this practice just to extend that in the form of compassion
0: to that person and hold that for a moment Taking in one more gentle,
3: deep breath. And as you exhale, just slowly opening your eyes if you had them closed. Slowly
0: becoming more aware of your surroundings, your chair, your
3: seated, your your room. Moving a little bit if you'd like and just... Being grateful for this moment and this practice. I, I thank you for for joining me in that.
2: Thank you, angels Thank you so much. It was really wonderful.
0: Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. You're
2: mm. Take good care of yourself and yeah. your family and may you all be happy
4: and free. Mm. And yeah. safe. So. Yeah.